Hoffaday, and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. It's Friday, November 30th, 3.04 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios, broadcasting high top the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is Live Till 5, our Friday afternoon live local talk and variety program. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. And just to set the record straight, this is actually episode 292. I got off track last week, got the number wrong. Last week was 291. This is the real 292. So the real episode 292 on this Friday, November 30th, last day of November. Christmas season is in full swing. You hear a little Meli Kalikimaka playing in the background there. All of our bumper songs during this season are going to be Christmas themed. Going to be talking about different Christmas and holiday themes throughout the season as well, including a VIP, a special guest, a good friend to all, all around blessing. Mr. Bob Shuck will be up here on the radio with us in just a little while, Lord willing, talking about some books of Christmas and just talking Christmas in general. And then we're going to be talking about Festival of Lights a little later in the show. As a matter of fact, our theme is Christmas lights. Now, maybe we did that a year ago. I can't remember, but it's at least 50 episodes ago. So you can go back and listen to the previous 50, 52 episodes in podcast form, and then you'll be ready for some more Christmas lights discussion, as that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, it being November 30th, well, before I say that, Sunday night's episode is going to be preempted by a live broadcast during our Festival of Lights, Sunday evening, December 2nd, 5 to about 9 p.m., maybe even as late as 10 p.m., we are going to be having our Festival of Lights here on campus. And because of that, we're going to be playing a lot of Christmas music. It's going to be broadcast uh, all over the campus. We're going to be making some live announcements on and off the air. And so we're going to preempt our regular broadcast or rebroadcast of Live Till 5 on Sunday night. So the only time you're going to get to hear this one is live right now, 3 to 5 p.m. on Friday, November 30th. Rebroadcast Saturday, noon to 2, December 1st. Or download the podcast from khmg.org. khmg.org, all the podcasts of this show are there from the last, I don't know, at least the last 100 episodes probably are on there. We'd love for you to download it, listen to it at your convenience. You can also listen through the website. You don't have to have a radio to listen to the radio anymore. Just go to khmg.org and click on the Listen tab, and you can listen to a beautiful stereo stream over the Internet. You can also download different apps to your phone, your tablet, your computer, where you can listen to FM streaming as well, and I encourage you to do so because uh, no one can listen to two straight hours of radio. Like, if you're in your car and you're running errands, you just picked the kids up from school, you just came through car line, maybe you're grabbing some food, some, some grocery items, you're doing a little shopping, maybe you're heading into work for the swing shift. Whatever's happening in your life right now, you might not have two straight hours. Now, some of you, you're at home, radio's on all the time, it's the background music of your life, and we're glad to be part of that, but... If you can't listen to all two hours, go to khmg.org, download the podcast, and listen at that time, or catch us on the rebound Saturday noon to 2. But as I said, Sunday night, we will not have the rebroadcast. Now, it is November 30th, so we're ending the month, and I get this list every week, across the fax machine. You kids know what a fax machine is? Yeah, it's uh, it's an obsolete piece of equipment, but we still get it, but it comes through email. It's kind of funny that we call it a fax, but really it's email. 
kind of like when those uh, preachers used to come to your church and they tell you to come by the tape table in the back, but they didn't have any tapes. They had CDs and books, but they didn't have tapes. Yeah. So this is the facts that came in. Monday was Cyber Monday, so um, which was a huge, everything I've read, it was a huge win for American online retailers. Tuesday was Giving Tuesday, and I saw a lot of nonprofits and Christian organizations uh, putting out the word for people to give on Tuesday. Wednesday was C.S. Lewis's birthday. I think I heard that maybe even on our SRN News broadcast. Thursday, how did I not hear about this? Uh, French Toast Day was Thursday, the 29th of November. It goes all the way back to medieval times, according to this fax. In fact, it predates the founding of France. So it wasn't, it was French toast before there was even a French. Roman Empire style of French toast was called pan dulcis. They would soak bread in milk or egg mixture and then fry it in oil or butter. Mmm. There you go. So, where did French toast get its name? Well, not from France. According to one legend, the innkeeper named Joseph French in New York named the dish in 1724. There you go. French toast. Today is, among other things, a day that John Landis Mason invented the glass jar with the clever screw-on lid to make canning safer and easier. In 1858, the Mason jar was invented on this day and celebrated on this day by canning aficionados. So Mason Jar Day, 1858. And supposedly those original Mason jars are pretty collectible. I don't think you're going to find any here on Guam necessarily. But uh, if you hit the yard sales and the flea markets in the States, you might see some. Now, starting tomorrow, it will be December. And December has a number of observances, surprisingly less observances than other months. So only like one page of monthly observances here, whereas November had like four pages. It is, uh, let's see here, Bingo's birthday, Buckwheat Month, Colorectal Cancer Education and Awareness Month, Exotic Fruits Month, AIDS Awareness Month, National Drunk and Drug Driving Prevention Month, National Eggnog Month. Okay, let's talk about eggnog real quick. Since I have here uh, in my hands... A brief history of eggnog. Funny, only 7,000 views on this article. It's two years old. It is eggnog month. And if I was to take a straw poll, uh, get it, straw, straw poll. Um, how many of you like eggnog versus how many do not? I have not met very many people that kind of are okay with eggnog. It's like extremely polarizing as a, as a beverage. Either people rave about it and they love it and they think it's just awesome and they always wish they had just a little more but they know too much would give them a tummy ache. I'm in that camp. Or they can't stand it. The thought of it makes them nauseous. They would never drink it twice Someone dared them to drink it one time and they just didn't like it. The consistency, it's too thick, it's too sweet, etc., etc. That's the camp I believe my wife is in, among other members of my family. It's very high calorie, by the way. I describe it as melted vanilla ice cream with a little nutmeg on top. That's what I think it tastes like. 
So here's a little history. Since it is eggnog month, let me share a little eggnog history with you, then we'll take a break. Eggnog has been around a lot longer than refrigeration. In fact, the first drinkers of the mixture of milk, eggs, and sugar, and cream enjoyed it hot. Maybe that's where the idea of adding alcohol, which some people do, comes from. Nobody could quite stomach the idea of drinking the concoction uh, without adding the alcohol to preserve it. The early days of eggnog. No one knows the exact origin, but they know it came from England centuries ago. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, It appears in an old, old food history book. Um, Let's see, from from a college there in England. The name evidently came from two words, grog, another word for rum, and noggins, which was a word for small wooden mugs, what drinks were served in. Okay, so in England, the drink was non-alcoholic, as noted, and hot at first. Now, um, by the time it got to the 1800s, several generations had grown up drinking eggnog. They had gone from the wintertime drink to a treat that was part of the Christmas tradition, which is how we got to the point of history known as the Eggnog Rite of 1826. The Eggnog Rite of 1826, that's actually what it was called, took place in West Point, New York, in the United States Military Academy, December 24th and 25th, 1826. Earlier in the year, the superintendent of West Point, Colonel Sylvanus Thayer, had banned alcohol from the premises. It was a rule that had been instituted for good reason. Okay, But at the annual Christmas party, cadets managed to bring a lot of whiskey on campus, mix up some eggnog, and then, of course, there was a huge, huge riot on campus. So um, it just shows you it's, it's not worth it anyway to mix alcohol in drinks. Eggnog during the 20th century? Uh, let's see here. It went down in prohibition because of the lack of people being able to add alcohol to it. President Dwight Eisenhower liked eggnog and had his own recipe. He added one dozen egg yolks, one pound of granulated sugar, one quart of bourbon or rum or brandy, one quart of coffee cream, and one quart of whipping cream. So in the 21st century, me, I like golden eggnog, non-alcoholic, Alcohol's not good for you anyway. Don't drink it. Get it ultra-pasteurized. You can get it at the grocery store here on Guam. It's a little pricey for how much you get, but you don't have to drink a lot of it either. It's, it's, a, it's a strong, rich drink, and it is totally worth it. If you've never had eggnog, don't listen to all those naysayers. They don't know their nog the way I do. Listen to me. You can trust me. You listen to me all the time. Listen to me on this. If you like vanilla ice cream, if you like sweet, uh, like a milkshake, I think you'll probably like eggnog. Let's see. Now, let's go back to our what's happening in this month. Um, it is cookie cutter week starting tomorrow. It's also hand washing awareness week, which I totally believe in, starting the second. Influenza vaccination week's the second. Recipe greetings for holiday week, second through the eighth. Advent starts on the second. Hanukkah. Begins the evening of December 2nd through the evening of December 10th. Uh, let's see here. Computer Science Education Week is the 3rd through the 9th. Uh, Cleric Gallaudet Week. We talked about this in the past. I believe that has to do with uh, uh, American Sign Language and um, uh, the recognition of people with hearing impairments. We talked about that last year, I believe. 3rd through the 10th. Cookie Exchange Week is the 3rd through the 7th. Not really a whole week. 
Uh, older driver safety awareness week. Yep, sometimes people just get too old to be on the road. Uh, and then, of course, tomorrow, the 1st of December, and then we're going to take a break for Harvest Highlights here. Civil Air Patrol Day is on December 1st. Uh, let's see here. Eat a Red Apple Day. National Pie Day. Rosa Parks Day. Skywarn Recognition Day. And World Pear Day. P-E-A-R. The second, Hanukkah. International Day for the Abolition of Slavery. Fritters Day. Mutt Day. Razor Day. And Special Education Day. And the third, International Day of Persons with Disabilities. Spirit of the Game Day, Make a Gift Day, and National Apple Pie Day. The fourth, National Cookie Day, Dice Day, Sock Day, and World Wildlife Conservation Day. The fifth, Day of the Ninja. Ooh, that sounds good. Kind of sneaks up on you. Get it. Um, International Volunteer Day for Economic and Social Development. Let's see here. What else? Oh, and Special Kids Day. Those are all happening in this week, upcoming, forthcoming little things that you can celebrate and observe. Now, we're going to take a short break for Harvest Highlights, and we're glad that you're with us today on this Friday, November 30th, 3.18 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. This is The Real, episode 292, talking about Christmas and Christmas lights. Stick around after Harvest Highlights. Some great guests in studio and more Live Till 5 talk and variety after this break. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5, enjoying the beginning, really, of the Christmas season. We kind of kicked it off last Friday, had the first Christmas songs of the season right after Live Till 5 last week, and we're going to continue with the Christmas cheer, spreading the Christmas cheer, with one of the most Christmas cheery people I know, Bob Shuck. Welcome to the radio broadcast today, brother. Glad you could join us today. Well, it's a change, because normally I come in October and I ask Chris when he's going to play Christmas music, so I'm actually here. Yeah, you're and here. And playing Christmas That's music. That's right. Even our bumper songs are all going to be Christmas-oriented, so, uh, and we've, Chris has added some great new Christmas music and then kept all the classics. It's just really been neat to uh, keep the radio on all the time, hearing Christmas music in the background, even playing it in my office, even though it might distract my uh, office mate. <laughs> I don't care anymore. It's Christmas. <laughs> he has to forgive me. He needs to get over it. Yeah, there there you go. And hopefully he's listening right now. Hopefully so. he doesn't make that comment on my uh, evaluation later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Now, uh, Bob Shuck is not only our school librarian, but he's also registrar for Harvest Baptist Bible College and uh, has a number of other hats he wears around here as well. I think he's the grand poobah of all photocopiers and... Uh, helps the HBBC classes with, with a number of things as well. You've even helped put together yearbooks and things, right? Yeah, I did nine yearbooks. Wow. Uh, I'm glad I'm not doing those anymore. It was a great experience, and I learned a lot, but it takes a lot of work. Sure, absolutely. And with Bible college, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't have a frog until I came up here. Yep, it happens. It's fine. Yeah, anyways, the Bible college students, their English is always interesting. And so when you have the librarian who has interesting English, <laughs> and you have Bible college students with interesting English, you get a really interesting yearbook sometimes. 
But like I said, I don't miss those days. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're up here today to share a little bit with us. We want to talk about Christmas, and we also want to talk about uh, what's happening in the library. And then I want to have you read a Christmas story for us. So you, it looks like you, you, got, you came prepared. Well, I just finished teaching this segment of study skills to the Bible college students. And so when I was working on the worksheet form this time, I thought, hmm... I should put a bunch of stuff together about Christmas, and then you'd already talked to me about coming upstairs talking about Christmas. I thought I'll just expand the list and, That's great. and drop it on the radio station. Awesome. Drop it. Drop you can it. drop it right now. So anyways, it was lots of interesting studies that, you know, I delved into. You know, the Internet is full of lots of interesting things, good, bad, and the ugly. But there's also a way to get to information quickly, and it doesn't always have to be the same old, same old. So the first thing that really sparked in my mind is, where did December 25th come from? Was Christ really born on December 25th? The answer is no, because the scripture never gives, an identity, uh, gives us a specific date. But it does give us some clues on when it might have happened. It talks about the shepherds were in the fields. So if you look at history, like um, uh, customs and manners in the Bible, you will find that shepherds were probably in the field in September and October not necessarily in December. December is when the winter solstice took place, and that was a pagan holiday. But the actual person that dubbed December 25th was a pope. His name was Julius, and it was in the year 350 AD. And that's when the first December 25th that's became how December the 25th tradition. became the day. Yeah. yeah, which I didn't know, which, you know, that's the way it is sometimes. So I thought it was very interesting, and I thought if I don't know it, there's about... 7,000 other people that don't know this information. Yes. So uh, there was a whole site. I mean, there's there's a whole site. And if you go to the library webpage, you'll find a button there that says links. And it gives you the link where I'm going to give you all this information from. Great. So if you can't pull out your pencil fast enough or you're drinking your hot chocolate. Where's where's the library website? Give us that. that. Give us that that. address. I wrote that down. Aren't you impressed? www.hcaguam.com. Dot org mm-hmm. slash library. All right, great. And so when you get to that web page, at the top you'll see the words Merry Christmas. If you click on that, it will show you every book the library owns on Christmas or DVDs for teachers so the, uh, and CDs, but we're getting rid of the CD collection at the moment. But everything we have is there, and we're, we have over 400 books. I didn't wow. buy any new books this year, Pastor Jared, because I couldn't find any new books that were decent. Sure, sure. You know, I want the I want them to hear the Christmas story, the Christmas story, but I don't care how it's being told, whether an animal tells it, a stick figure tells it. I don't care so long as it's the Christmas story. So I have a list of books that I would recommend people look at or pull out. So I'm going to give those to you now. I have your website pulled up, <clears throat> and it's really neat. It's very interactive, very colorful. Yeah. It says Merry Christmas right here at the top, and you have a lot of different ways to search for materials and visual links. I'm clicking on the links right now, as you recommended. So this is a, well, that's this, neat. Yeah, it's a great site, and um, I don't know if it's used. I know a person wrote to me from Germany not too long ago wanting to know about a book and whether they could borrow it. So I did an interlibrary loan, and the book has now been sent to Germany. We were the only source that they found it, and so I will get the book returned to us. Wow. We pay the postage going out, and they pay the postage coming back. It will be used there for a month and then be returned to me. Neat. 
So we do do that. But some books that you want to look at are like The Cobweb Christmas. One of the legends is about a spider who spins a web. And then um, you have to read the story to know what the significance is, what the legend is. Uh, a Christmas storybook that almost everybody knows is Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Yeah. And it's been told by the Muppets. It's been told by uh, Veggie Tales. You name it, yep. they've told yep. the story years and years and years and years ago. When I was at the University of Colorado, I was uh, in the play and played one of the businessmen. So even people have acted in it. Uh, a great story we talked about last year was Humphrey's First Christmas. You yes. know, the camel? Yes. Well, there he I is. I remember vividly. <clears throat> yeah, Humphrey's a great story. Seems but like it was just yesterday, honestly, that we were having this conversation and you were reading that story. Yeah. It's gone by so quick. So anyways, that author's written two other Christmas stories. One of them's called The Christmas Story, and another one is called... Oh, fiddlesticks. I didn't write it down. That's all but right. But they can look it up on the That's list. That's right. There you go. Uh, another one, Mike uh, Huckabee. Everybody knows who Mike Huckabee is. He wrote a book called Can't Wait Till Christmas. It probably will bring back memories for people who decided they wanted to open their Christmas presents and mom and dad didn't know about it. And so here these it's a story about three little or two kids that opened their packages before Christmas and then when Christmas came day came it wasn't quite so fun anymore. I really Humphrey's Palm Sunday, by the way, is the other one. I just looked it up on your uh, site. There's Humphrey's, Humphrey's First Christmas and Humphrey's First, First Palm, Palm Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Correct. Correct. Wow, your website is very helpful. I, when there I bought this system, I wanted it to be very interactive and very helpful. Yep. So there you go. Last year, we learned about a Jesse tree in Devotions. I don't remember who brought it up, but I have a book on the Jesse tree, and it, really a Jesse tree is an advent calendar. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody knows the famous poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, written by Samuel Clemens. Mm -hmm. Um, in previous years, the Symphony Chorale, no, the Symphony Harvest, Harvest Symphony, I'll get it out of my mouth in a minute, did a thing where uh, the kids played music and then somebody read the story. <coughs> Sorry, guys, I've got this junk growing, it's I guess. It's quite all right. Okay, so let's talk about some of the other myths, like mistletoe. Everybody talks about mistletoe. Uh, yeah, Chris doesn't have any mistletoe hanging around here. Well, his it's wife, probably a good thing. His wife would like it. There you go. He's, um, a, he's <laughs> ignoring us, is it? Well, mistletoe is really a symbol of eternal life and rebirth. However, its origin is in pagan tradition. Uh, a legend that I discovered was the story of the Christmas pickle, which I thought was interesting. Yes, you can <clears throat> find Christmas pickle ornaments uh, yeah, all over Guam, even. Exactly. And it comes from St. Nicholas, uh, the patron saint of St. Nicholas, Catholic tradition, and it was St. Nicholas pulled a bunch of boys out of a pickle barrel, and so they created the Christmas pickle. Fruitcake. Oh, everybody I, likes I really fruit. like fruitcake. I, I know it's we're in the minority, those of us fruitcake lovers. Probably uh, the most obscure people like uh, fruitcake. And then just a little more than that, there's maybe a few more people that like eggnog more than fruitcake. But oh, no, I, I have like eggnog. Both. See? See, you're eggnog lover, but not And I've already gone through two quarts by myself. Oh, wow. Okay. So, well, you right. know, I'm waiting for another quart of that yeah. to come out. Yeah. So, anyways, fruitcake came from Egypt, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. And it was used when they buried the uh, pharaohs in their tombs and because it was essential for each afterlife. So, there you are. 
You need your fruit. It would last a long time. Hopefully, you're going to, yeah, really. Maybe when you get to heaven, Pastor, mm, you're mm, going to find mm. fruit gaydock up there. Mm, not. <laughs> Anyways, then there's the candy cane. Everybody knows about the candy cane. Uh, it started in 1670. And it, there's two stories behind it, but the favorite, favorite one for everybody is it represents the shepherd's hook. Mm-hmm. Turn it upside down, and it's the letter J. Red represents the blood of Christ, and white represents his purity. Mm-hmm. So then I was curious about all these songs we sing at Christmas. Uh, how long have they been around? The, law, the oldest Christmas carol that I could find them talk about was Good Christian Men Rejoice. And I had to really stop and think, what in the world is that song? How does it go to? Mm-hmm. Then when the light came on, Thank you, YouTube. I discovered that it was the oldest traditional Christmas carol. It was written in 1328, but they did not, that was when the words came out, but they didn't put it to music until for, until the 1400s. Come All Ye Faithful, that's from the 17th century. Jingle Bells was composed in 1857, but not as a carol. It was originally as a poem, and then Martin Luther is credited with putting the words to the music. Hmm. Uh, in 1939 was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Rudolph happened because a man by the name of Montgomery Ward, who had a f- department store, which I don't think exists anymore. No, they're out of business. <clears throat> well, there you go. It's, they should have held on to Rudolph. Anyways, he designed it and created it to lure people into the store to buy things. <clears throat> Christmas cards happened in 1840. I wasn't around back then. Everybody seems to think I was. <laughs> I didn't come on the scene until 1953, so I'm quite young compared to Christmas carols. So, there's your uh, trivia. Uh, Thank you. That you know, we're trying to educate. This is an educational show. Good. I'm glad Bob. to hear it. And we and we like to make sure that people learn something new every time they listen. And usually, what they learn is true. Correct. So that's you know, every once in a while, I might say something that. I might be pulling out of thin air, but in this case, everything's uh, oh, but been I checked listen, out. And when by... you pull it out of thin air, I'll know. I know. I usually get a text from you. So... But I try to be good, Pastor. That's right. And I use some of your uh, content that you submitted, uh, the December is list, which I appreciate. I started in on that today, all the different observances and holidays and things like that. But you have this large, beautiful book in front of you. What is it? Well, you know, I've always tried to bring a book to you. Last year we read Humphrey. The year before that, I think we did The Christmas Lizard. Mm -hmm. But this year I decided it was time we heard really the Christmas story. This is an animated book, which I think is really kind of cool. You, the kids, the people on the radio can't see this. But when you turn the page, the page changes. That's pretty slick. So this is called The First Christmas, and it's called It's a Changing Picture Book. So it's kind of like a pop-up book, but it's two-dimensional instead of three-dimensional. Yeah, correct. So hopefully everybody knows the Christmas story, but this story I read to all the K-5 kids this week because it tells the Christmas story and it uses words and terms that are not King James, which is okay, but not everybody gets it. So long ago, a star appeared in the east above a town called Bethlehem. Seeing the star filled some of the people with hope, but others, including Herod the king, was very worried. There was an ancient prophecy that a king would be born under a star and that it would be greater than even Herod himself. So Herod ordered his chief priests and scribes to find out all they could about any child that was going to be born under a star. During this time, a census was being taken, which meant that everyone needed to return to his or her family's hometown to be counted and registered. Joseph and Mary, his betrothed, traveled all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem the city of David, to be registered. Mary rode on a donkey because she was going to have a baby. 
Months before, both Mary and Joseph had been invited by an angel, or had been, in, excuse me, had visited an an, by an angel who told them that Mary's baby was a gift from the Holy Spirit. It would be a boy, and they would name him Jesus, which means Savior. While Mary and Joseph were still in Bethlehem, the time came that Mary was to have the baby. But the town was crowded with people traveling for the census, and the inns were all full. Mary and Joseph had nowhere to go until finally an innkeeper offered to let them stay in the only space that was left, the stable, where the animals were kept. That same night in the fields just outside of Bethlehem, shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks. They too had seen the star, and they were afraid. Then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in the night sky and told them not to be frightened, that good news would come to all the people. A child, a savior, had been born in the city of Bethlehem. The angel instructed them to follow the star to find the newborn baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the shepherds left their flocks to go and seek the child. Nearby were three, king, three wise men from the east who King Herod had sent to follow the star. They had traveled from distant lands all the way to Bethlehem to find out the prophecy, if the prophecy was true. That one had been warn, born who would become a great ruler. Wishing to honor the newborn king when they found him, the wise men brought precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Finally, after many nights of journey, they too arrived at the stable in Bethlehem. The shepherds and the wise men found the baby Jesus lying in a manger, just as they had been told. After they had worshipped him, the shepherds returned to their fields, while full of awe and wonder, and the wise men presented their gifts and then decided to return to the country by a different route to avoid King Herod, as they knew that he would be jealous of the baby Jesus. All the visitors of that first Christmas left the stable filled with joy, for they knew that they had just seen the Savior. Now we all know that the wise men did not come until Jesus was a toddler, but tradition shows that, this, that they came the night of his birth. So that's part of the leg legends and traditions that happens. But I think we as believers need to remember that really the purpose is not all the tinsel and not all the wrappings and not the $80 Christmas tree you just bought that the needles are going to fall off of. It's about a baby who's the Savior. Amen. I love coming up here, Pastor. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much, Bob, and thanks for reading that book to us. You get a chance to read to the students in the school, right? I read every week to either K-4 or K-5. I don't really get to read to the older ones anymore because they're more interested in borrowing books, which is fine with me. Mm -hmm but I try to read as much as I can. That's great. Well, that's a great ministry and service uh, to the students. And uh, thanks for being vigilant, keeping an eye out for the good books, and for sharing them with us here on the radio. Thanks really for asking. It. I love coming. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, Bob. I think I'm going to play a little live uh, Christmas sleigh ride, and I think this goes back to an old HCA CD oh, my that word. came out years ago. Uh, where our own HCA choir produced a Christmas CD. There's different that. elementary students. So, is this April doing it? Yeah, I, it might be. Or this one, I might have a different one. So I've got two. Anyway, we'll see. this sounds a little too fancy for them. But anyway, thanks a lot. Merry Christmas, thanks, Bob. Pastor. All right.
Welcome back to Live Till 5. It's Friday, November 30th, 3.47 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Thanks to Bob the Librarian for stopping by and giving us a little Christmas trivia as well as reading us a Christmas story from one of the books he has there in the library. I'd encourage you to check out the website there, the hcaguam.org slash library. It's got a very interactive site there. It's got some great Christmas books in there, too, for you students. Parents, you can have your children check those books out before Christmas break hits. One of my regular segments for all 292 episodes has been what I call Stranger Than Fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction, and I have a few stories I'd like to share with you, and then we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back, finish up the hour, and in the second hour, we'll have a special guest, Brian Leonard's. Pastor Brian will be talking about the Festival of Lights, plus we're going to have What's in My Coffee and a quiz with Sebastian Basildua. So don't go anywhere. Here's some stories that are stranger than fiction. Here you go. Robbing eight cars can make a guy tired. This is according to Dispatch's Quick Takes from World Magazine. They always have these entertaining little sections in here. Robbing eight cars can make a guy tired. The Cherokee County, Georgia Sheriff's Office says that was the case for Timothy Zachari, 23. After they found him asleep inside a parked car, he was allegedly robbing in Ackworth, Georgia. Someone reportedly contacted police about the robberies, and the authorities said they found credit cards, gift cards, and cash from the robberies with the slumbering Zachari. Hmm. Uh, I guess, is the moral of the story you should rest up before you do something bad? I'm not sure. Here's another one. This one is strange, strange, and I still haven't heard the conclusion of the matter yet. I'd like to watch an interview with this guy, but Vontae Davis discovered he had lost his passion for football, and he retired from the NFL. And of course, that's not that big of a deal, but there was one problem with Davis's Buffalo for Davis's Buffalo Bills. The 30-year-old cornerback made his decision effective immediately at halftime of a September 16th regular season game. Declaring he was, quote-unquote, done with football at halftime, Davis reportedly packed his locker at halftime and then left the stadium rather than play the final two quarters of the game. In a statement announcing his retirement, Davis said he had not meant to be disrespectful to his teammates or the Bills, but he simply realized he should not be out there anymore. Uh, here's another one from New Hampshire. A New Hampshire man has developed a new tool to rob prize, prizes from game machines. A tiny human. Police in Salem, New Hampshire, says 34-year-old Anthony Helsinki, Helinski, sorry, Helinski, stole prizes from a Keymaster arcade game by directing his toddler to wiggle into the machine's prize chamber on September 14th. Authorities released cell phone video footage of the heist at the Mall of Rockingham Park in an effort to identify the culprit and Helinski later turned himself in. According to the video, the female child was able to pass several prizes through the machine before climbing out and walking away with what appeared to be her father. Wow. Here's one that's a little more touching. In 1989, long before Phil Bryant became governor of Mississippi, he lost his wedding ring. On September 28th, after almost 30 years... He learned where it had been all this time, deep inside an old friend's couch. Quote, my friend Jeff Marr found my original wedding ring from 1976 in an old couch. It had been lost since 1989, end quote. The governor tweeted, thanks, Jeff. Governor Bryant and his wife, Deborah, have been married for more than 40 years. Wow. And that is stranger than fiction. Here's... uh. 
maybe just one or two of these. We might come back later on if there's time. Guinness Book of World Records says that the largest LED sculpture, okay, LED, you know, light-emitting diodes, to be precise, is uh, there's a picture on the Guinness Book of World Records website, but basically, eager to outshine other lighting companies, Russian LED light specialists decided to create a gleaming holiday sculpture. After wrapping the structure of Christmas bauble in strings of lights, LLC Zodiac Electro Company achieved the largest LED sculpture composed of 23,120 LED lights on 12 December 2015. The color-changing ornament was set in Moscow, Russia, where locals could view the massive creation. Wow. That is big. And we're going to take a short break. When I come back, I'm going to wrap up this hour, kind of give you a little preview into the next hour. Sebastian, Chris, Brian all join me in the second hour of Live Till 5. So listeners, stick around. And if you ever miss part of this show, you can tune in Saturday from noon to 2. This week, our Sunday night rebroadcast is preempted by the Festival of Lights, but Saturday noon to 2, or download the podcast from khmg.org, and you can listen to the whole show, all two hours of it, in its entirety. Also, let us know you're listening. Go to Facebook, give us a little thumbs up, give us a message of encouragement, wish us a Merry Christmas. We promise to return the favor, and give us some feedback. Send us a private message through Facebook and let us know what you think of this show and everything else we produce here at KHMG. Now, you stick around. Short break. Be right back after this. with a little more Live Till 5 as we finish up this first hour of our broadcast. Every Friday afternoon, 3 to 5 p.m., live local talk and variety right here at KHMG Studios. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It's episode 292 on this Friday, November 30th, 3.56 p.m. And uh, we're enjoying the sounds of the season. Christmas season is upon us and in full swing here at Harvest. We have Christmas decorations up all over the campus. If you drive by at nighttime, after Sunday night, December 2nd, you'll see Christmas lights on from 6 to 10 p.m. every single night. And in the second hour, we're going to be talking about our Festival of Lights, but let me just give you a little a little taste. Sunday evening, December 2nd, 5 p.m., the food trucks open. 6 p.m., first Christmas concert. 6.30 p.m., children's game night over in the gym. Free prizes, face painting, rock climbing, Carnival-type games, uh, glow bracelets, all kinds of things. Christmas train will be open. 7.30, second Christmas program. So if you missed the first one, you can come to the second one. And everything will be open throughout the evening. We'll say more about that. We'll list some of those uh, fine food trucks in the second hour as well. We want you to have all the information. The whole evening is free, except for the food trucks. Got to bring some money to buy some food if you want that. But 
You don't have to eat. You can eat before you come if you want. But we'd encourage you to come and enjoy some of Guam's finest food trucks right here on our campus. We're not doing this as a fundraiser or a way to to, uh, promote ourselves. We really are just saying Merry Christmas to the island of Guam by opening up our campus and putting a ton of work, decorations, and organization into saying Merry Christmas. Let us... Let us host you on our campus this Christmas season and give you a a dose of Christmas cheer and give you a a, a good presentation of the true meaning of Christmas in our Christmas program. So we would just love to have you here Sunday night, December 2nd, 5 p.m. again until late, 9, 10 o'clock at least. So love to have you come There's plenty of parking. Come a little early. Carpool, if you can, just because parking will be full. And it's always easier just to find one spot instead of two. So I'd recommend that. But we would love, love, love to have you here. And uh, you might be trying to lay out your weekend plans and find something Christmassy to do as a family. Hey, this one's mostly free. Like I said, the only thing you need money for is the, the food trucks. And we, of course, encourage you to do that. But please come and join us. Festival of Lights this Sunday, December 2nd, 5 p.m. The food trucks open, 6 p.m. First concert, 6.30 kids program, 7.30 second concert. And uh, just a fun night all around. Great time to take some family pictures as well. Now, you are listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. We're going to break for SRN News in the second hour of Live Till 5 with Chris, Sebastian, Brian, and more. So stick around. More Live Till 5 after this news break. second hour of live till five thanks for joining us episode 292 i know i know last week i said it was episode 292 i lost track i got excited and then i kept saying it over and over again and i realized it immediately after the show was done so this is what we call the real 92 uh 292 so thank you for joining us for the real 292 second hour on this friday november 30th 404 p.m here at the khmg studios broadcasting High atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon, mostly cloudy out here. Looks like some uh, middle school cross-country folks are here warming up uh, as we speak. And uh, we have in studio Brian Leonards. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, Sebastian Basildua. Always oh, here. Also known as Elvis to that one crazy uh, stepdad's uncle or whatever you said during the break there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, of course, Chris Harper's here in studio as well. He'll be joining us here in just a second. And uh, we wanted to have Brian up here because we're going to talk about Festival of Lights here in just a moment. But as you listeners know, if you ever miss part of the show, you can tune in Saturdays from noon to 2, Sunday nights from 7 to 9, usually. But this week, no Sunday night because it's going to be preempted by a live broadcast of Christmas music and different comments and commentary that 
go along with our festival of lights. So we're glad to acquiesce and, and, and relent our one rebroadcast time for the festival of lights. Cause it's a big deal around here. Now, a few quick weird, but true Christmas festive facts provided to me by some unknown listener. I can't remember who gave me this book last year, but, uh, Here's a couple random slash uh, interesting slash kind of funny slash kind of odd. There's a lot of slashes there. Uh, How about this? An American woman set the record for the most Christmas trees chopped down in two minutes. How many do you think it was? Brian. 16. In two minutes. Okay, 16. How many think it was, Sebastian? I accidentally saw the answer. Okay, 27. (laughs) How about this? Uh oh, here you go. This is not really Christmas, it's more winter time, which people here might not be able to relate to this. An 18 mile or 29 kilometer frozen stretch in British Columbia, Canada is the longest ice skating trail on earth. You can actually ice skate for 18 miles. That's insane. Yeah. Uh let's see here. How about this? US stores make more than 600 billion with a B in sales during the holiday season. Uh let's see. Here's another one. People buy less when a store's music is loud, according to scientists. So turn the music down a little bit. They might buy more if you turn up live till five. It's worth checking out. Americans spend more than two billion in a year just in wrapping paper. Two billion? Two billion with a B. And boy, bravo. Oh, okay. Billion, yes. Billion. And uh, I think our Harvest Christian Academy seniors are doing some gift wrapping this Christmas season. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Uh, here's one. Sold for $30,000, a 170-year-old hand-colored Christmas card. Sold for $30,000. Boy. And most of my Christmas cards, I won't tell you what I do with most of the Christmas cards, but they wouldn't be around down the road to uh, be uh, valued. Did you know sometimes snow appears blue? See, I have a picture have you ever seen that, like uh, glaciers and things like that? I think I did a quiz on that one time. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I I, I think I was here. I might have won that quiz. I think it was say that. red snow, actually. Oh, then. Uh, or it was like a moss or algae. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember it grossing me out now you say that. Uh, more than three quarters of Americans eat their candy canes from the straight end first, even though that is so dangerous, especially like while riding a unicycle. Oh, so dangerous. Don't do that. Wait, you eat it from that curve down first? Well, I'm not saying that that I do what's safe. I'm just saying that, you know, you, you whittle it down to a point like a prison weapon, and then you ride a unicycle around with this big old candy cane sticking out of your mouth. So dangerous. I mean, I guess I don't ride unicycles very much, but... Uh, let's see. How about two more? Wait, what's the correct way of eating a, a candy cane? I got to know there, this. There's no, it doesn't say there's a correct way. They're just saying that three quarters of people eat it from the straight end, oh. not the curb. Every time I open it, it breaks. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, you just put the whole thing in. And as I open it, it just cracks in half. Who was the first president to have a Christmas tree in the White House? Do you know? Do you know? First president to have, U.S. president to have a Christmas tree in the White House. He was the president in 1853. Jefferson. No. No. <laughs> Way after Jefferson had died. I'm going to use a lifeline, Chris. <laughs> Chris, have you got any idea? Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt. No. No. Teddy Roosevelt actually banned Christmas trees in the White House for a while. We talked about that last week. This is Franklin Pierce. I don't know. I believe him. he's also yeah. from New Hampshire. 
first one to bring it in to the White House. And finally, he's known for something. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very interesting tradition, especially if you're uh, Norse, a Norski. On Christmas Eve in Norway, some families hide their brooms so the evil witches won't steal them overnight. Huh. Isn't your wife Norwegian? Yeah. Sebastian? Yeah, but we have it. We have a uh, no ha- connection there. I was, uh, I, uh, there was a long pause, new paragraph. Well, Isn't your wife just Norwegian? To, just so it's clear, we have a robotic broom, so it doesn't even have to worry okay. about. Okay, so you don't have to worry stole. about it being stole by an evil, yeah. some evil personality. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, um, let's talk a little bit about Festival of Lights. Then we're going to take a break and hand out our drinks. They were just delivered by the hub, but. Uh, why don't you give us the rundown on Festival of Lights, Brian? Oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited. We have such a good team working on it. There's an excitement around the air here. A lot of awesome things that we're doing this year, some, some new things as well as keeping some of the best of the old things that we've done. If, if you've never come to Festival of Lights, it's us and our you know 2,000 closest friends that we have on this campus. We light up the campus. We have a, a mixture of activities, anything from... Uh, we have a train that comes in. Kids can ride this train uh, on our campus, see the lights. We have uh, tons of awesome food trucks. And I'll, I'll let you know some of these food trucks because we have people come out just for these food trucks. Yep. With it. Yep. We, we have Prisco's coming, Island Craves, Sticky Fingers, Half a Day Lemonade, 671 Kettle Corn, Fat Boy Slim, Half Aloha, and munchies they're all coming up so we have people coming just for that plus the hub will be open yes the hub is we're gonna have coffee drinks ready to go they have a new seasonal menu christmas menu they're rolling out right now as well that's awesome we we do everything we do is for free it's just our way of saying to the community we care about you we want to be a blessing to everyone we do a jamboree which is 24 Carnival light games that um, people can come and play all for free. They can win tickets. We got some great prizes kids can earn. We have a hilarious photo booth this year. We, we actually have a traditional one with beautifully um, lit up trees, and we have a snow machine with snow falling. Families can get a nice Christmas picture. And we also have an awkward family photo booth. It's set up. For some people, every photo booth is an awkward family photo booth. Well, that's how we're going to help out. (laughs) We're going to make that process. The great equalizer, yes. This, you know, no offense to your grandma, Sebastian, your grandma, or my grandma, Mm. but this looks like your grandma's. Christmas okay. living room. Okay, and that's that's how it's set up. You All can right. get your pictures with your friends. We have some props. It's going to be a funny, just great time for everyone involved. We also have a puppet show for kids, and the keystone highlight of the night is we do a, a musical performance, um, talking about our Savior's birth uh, during this season, and then a short challenge by our pastor to talk about everything this season's focused on. Awesome, awesome. And give us the schedule of that. Yeah, at 5 o'clock, it's when our food trucks open. And we actually encourage people to come early, grab a bite to eat. This place fills up. We have great security team and parking team to help people find out where to go. But from 5 o'clock on throughout the night, our food trucks are rolling. At 6 o'clock, we have our first performance of Noel celebrating the birth of our Savior. That's our concert over in our auditorium building. And then at 6.30 p.m., all the activities get started. That's all the fun stuff for kids. Um, The lights are on. We have the jamboree going on, the train rides. We have face painting, animal balloons, puppet show, all starting at 6.30. And then at 7.30, we offer a second performance of Noel 
celebrating the birth of our Savior for anyone who wasn't able to make it to the first one. Awesome, awesome. And it's going to continue on late into the evening until the crowd dies down. And yes, usually uh, people hang out until late in the evening if the weather's nice. And that's what we're praying for, some good weather. But rain or shine, we're having this Festival of Lights on Sunday, December 2nd. Starting at 5 p.m., all the food trucks open up, and that's really the only thing you need to bring money for is for the food trucks. You can eat before you come, but I got to tell you, some of these are the best food trucks. If you're just looking for a snack, there's a couple snack things. If you're looking for a full meal, check those out, too, because it is really tasty stuff there. So what I'd like to do is I want to just take a very short break, and then when we come back... We're going to play a little What's in My Coffee. We just had these great seasonal drinks delivered. We want to make sure we give them their due. Plus, play a quiz while Brian's here. Test his knowledge and Sebastian's quiz writing skills as well. So stick around, listeners. More Live Till 5 after this short break. It's Dominic the donkey, jingity-jing, the Italian Christmas donkey, la, la, la. And we're back with Hillmore live till 5. It's 4.18 p.m. on this Friday, November 30th. Episode 292, little Dominic the Christmas Donkey has a little nostalgia around here. Because last year we had one of our one of our regular guests, Lindsay, who is of Italian descent. I asked her if she had heard this song as a joke. But she said she had an uncle that sang it all the time. So, you know what? There we go. Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey. And once you get it in your head, it's kind of hard to get yeah, out. Yeah, it took me six months to get rid of that song. And, and here you are, just there you go. plugging it right you get back it, in. Keep it until the 4th of July now. So You're swaying quite a bit. When I know. I, I, I like that. You, yeah. We've we've had some swaying behind the scenes. The premium listeners would be able to see that online. So We always say that. We don't actually have a... a we, we tried doing live streaming the video side, but it was like my mom watching sometimes and... So we we scrapped that. But anyway, we do have in front of us some delectable treats. Now, Chris just ran one of those drinks down to Bob the Librarian. They delivered the drinks right after Bob had walked out. So Chris physically carrying this refreshing drink down to Bob. And it's called the Bob Shuck drink. So I'll find out what that is when we do the big reveal. But for our listeners, just so you know, this uh, segment, what we normally do is we all get drinks from the hub. And we taste them, and we try and describe them to the listeners um, without knowing what the drinks really are. They're not labeled or anything like that. So this segment is brought to us by The Hub, best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees and teas and baked goods. Really good stuff. Jeremy, Megan, Jilda, Sonny, uh, Leroy, Billy Bob, uh, Billy Joe Jim Bob, Billy Bob Billy, and Jim Billy Billy Bob. Uh, all work down there. Half of those people actually work there. But it is really good. I go there every day, a couple of times a day. Really a, a great place to meet up with people. They have free Wi-Fi, and their drinks are second to none, honestly. And so we're going to play a little What's in My Coffee. We'll start with Sebastian. Sebastian, looks like you have a blended cold drink. 
Oh, yes. Is this, this now like, remember uh, when last year you described a drink as like uh, uh, someone got into a skiing accident in a cherry yeah. bush or something yeah, that like was that? The, what was that? I think that was the strawberry calamansi or something like that. Or maybe yeah. it was just a calamansi of some, or mango calamansi. Anyway, this one, let me describe this one for you. It's like the longest straw in the world was available to me. And I aimed it up into the sky and I just sucked out of the clouds and a huge chicken happened to be flying by up in the air and he dropped an egg and that egg somehow transformed into eggnog in that cloud. It doesn't and actually work that way. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep going. No, this dream is gets fascinating. <laughs> what station am I on, Jerry? Um, <laughs> uh, but it's nice and cold too, because it's cold up there. Yeah. So, so uh, um, <laughs> you know the nature of this game, Sebastian. Just since I know <laughs> this is new, um, is to describe what it tastes like, not the mythical origin of it. So, what does it taste like to you? It tastes like eggnog, but that's not as exciting as what I just well, described. It's, <laughs> what you said was exciting. It took me on a journey I never thought I'd go on. Um, it is it sweet? Is it? I mean, you know, chocolatey. Oh, I'm looking at it. It's hard to describe. Sweet and cloudy is the best way I could. Like creamy? How I could? Yeah, I guess so. Is it cloudy, uh, creamy, like rich, thick? I mean, this is a it's a rich. Because you came up with the world's longest straw, which is like a real reach, but then, you know, you skipped right over creamy, sweet, and, you know. Yeah. I was, I was saving those, uh, those uh, adjectives for you guys. Superlatives. So they're Thank not, you. They're not constantly used over... So I'm trying to here's the service. question. Do you like it? Because I didn't know when you were saying a uh, chicken was flying over, which, you know, chickens flying at that height, it would be problematic, but... Do you like it? That's the ultimate question. Do you like it? Would you order it again? I love this drink. I would order it again. Or if someone were to give me a free drink again, I would say I would want that one. Oh, good. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's that's important. And then it had a little, it looked like it had a little nutmeg or something uh, sprinkled on top. I think it's like um, cinnamon or something like that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll find out here on the big reveal. Chris, you have a hot drink. What does yours taste like? I didn't even take a drink. Where where would the world's longest straw take you with this drink? Um, Let's find out. Let's all find out together with the listening audience. <laughs> it would take me to an apple orchard. Oh, really? Yes. You but are the, very fortunate indeed. Yeah, and I this you was just, just randomly picked I just that one. grabbed one and I picked the finest nectar of them all. Oh. Which is the apple cider. That's yes, it. that is a, a very... It's a classic drink. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And it's seasonal, so it's kind of like it, they just make you want it even more because it's not available all year long. I'll tell you a little pro tip here. Get yourself a spoon. Stir it up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Like if it's sat, it's sat here for yes. a few minutes. Yes. Stir it. Give it a nice, good yes. stir. Yep. And uh, it... It just the flat the, the the all the fragrance the blooms. Yes, yes, it just it blooms. blooms. That's yes. what happens. That's right. It blooms. Yeah. Don't yes. even need a straw. That's no that's what, that reaches I, to the clouds. I was thinking of how unwieldy it would be to hold the, a was, straw of that nature. Yeah, I was thinking you could get hit by lightning, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then the well, chicken flying over. I was just trying to picture a chicken flying a huge over. Huge chicken. That would be scary. I would put the straw away. <laughs> <laughs> I would run for cover. So, okay, uh, Brian, <laughs> yours is half gone already. Yeah. Uh, what does it taste like? Yeah, I think I got this one. I'm usually pretty bad. I think this is a peppermint chilled chocolate. Okay. 
it just it gets peppermint right away. Chocolate, you can't beat it. Very simple drink, but oh, I could a little whipped cream on top. I could a little whipped cream on top with this apple cider. I could beat it. My wife just made apple cider in an instant pot. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. okay, gotcha. Wow, uh, it was good. So we've been having a little apple cider these days, but hers is awesome. If she's listening, probably almost as good as Jeremy's. (laughs) Almost, (laughs) maybe better. It's yeah. (laughs) Just depends on who you are. Hers is a softer, lighter. Yeah, you know. Yep. This is thick and rich. This is a a punch in the face. That is right. Good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Different. Yep. I. You know, last time I had apple cider, I went home, looked in the mirror, and I had a natural golden wave to my hair afterwards. True story. (laughs) True story. Yeah. Nice. But you have a peppermint uh, chocolate ice drink with whipped cream on top. Looks very good. It's not blended. It's iced. Yes. There's a distinction there. Kind of makes it less watery yep. if you drink it right away. Me, I have, I know it's a latte. I know it's the season of eggnog. The eggnog flavor, if that's what this is, blends in so well with the latte that it's not It's not an overpowering uh, uh, flavor. It's a, it's a mild oh. flavor. So... Um, let's let's just do the big reveal. It's an egg natte. Oh yeah, that's that's a clever yes. name. Come on, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. Okay, you have a candy cane cocoa, <laughs> Was that iced candy cane cocoa, chilled chocolate. Uh, yes, it's okay. basically yeah, it's yeah. Like chilled chocolate with. But they have to come up with a clever name yeah, so they can charge fifty cents more. That's right. Uh, hot apple cider for Chris. That's great. Um, let's see here. Uh, eggnog frap. Yes. And I have a peppermint latte. Mm. I guess the mint. I lost a little bit of the mint in the process. But now mm. that they're saying, now that I've read it, my mouth does feel minty. Surprisingly enough. Now it could be the power of suggestion. Yeah. But you never. No. No. No, it's there. I feel it in the old esophageal region. Esophageal region. Yes, the esophageal region has okay. a has a burn, kind of a, a pleasant burn. It's a pleasant burn. It's not like that seven year old man burn. It's more of the pleasant peppermint. I don't know that I, bird. Peppermint. You're making bird. less sense than I. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, boy. That's, now you hurt my feelings. Okay. Uh, let's play a little bit of Sebastian's quiz. Now, Sebastian, I I um, I have to play Christmas music. It's just a thing that okay. I do. Carol so, the bells, then. Okay. All right. I have I have a couple different Carol of the bells. So let's uh, let's try. How about this one? I have a quiz for you. It's called. Quizmas candy. <laughs> I got it. Quiz- I see what you did Quizmas. there. Quizmas. Okay. Um, I'll ask questions, uh, multiple choice, most of them, and we'll go around a circle, starting with Chris, Brian, and then Jared. First question: What's the biggest holiday of the year for candy sales? Christmas, Easter, or Halloween? Mm. Well, I. Um... I see a lot of candy on Halloween, and I feel like there's a lot that's sold on that at that time of the year. So, I mean, it's a it's kind of a Christmas quiz, so it's a little mm-hmm. counterintuitive. But yep. I'm gonna say Halloween this time. Man, I, if you would have said Valentine's Day, I might have went right. With that I would have yep. too. You know, would have fooled me. I, that's definitely when the most money's wasted on candy. <laughs> I, I think the train of thought is most people are going to say Halloween that, yeah. because that's like the candy day. But I say day because Christmas is like a full month. Oh, that's true. And what was the other one? It's Easter. Quality, it's quality logic there. Yes. 
I'm, oh, Brian, wow. I'm going, Way to bring the logic. I'm going Chris, yeah. Christmas for that's, this one. That's good Boy. Thinking. And wouldn't it be ironic if Sebastian just started right off With and the Christmas very first question. question, the answer is Christmas, hmm. just to be a smarty pants. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Smarty Party yeah. Pants. I am bringing um, my poker face. I think. With your quiz, big straw. I'm going to candy. say. I'm going to say. Uh, I'm just. Just to be a contrarian, I'm going to say Easter. It's good to be contrarian sometime because that's Easter. That's correct. Oh, oh Christmas was... is actually fourth most. Ooh, for sales. So much for logic. Yeah, wow. I thought Easter too when I did because when the, when those Starburst jelly beans come out, I'm yeah, all over. Yeah, people buy and so <laughs> Halloween and Easter. People buy entire bags of candy at a time. So I I could see it. But. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I accidentally was right again. <laughs> uh, by. Biography of Jared. Okay. That's really true. <laughs> Everyone listening knows that's how it works. Question number two. When was the striped candy cane most likely invented? <coughs> the 18th century, the 19th century, or the 20th century? The striped candy cane. Oh, I can feel the peppermint now. Um, well, it, it gives me the feeling of 19th century, right? Maybe like a... Because uh, that's Charles Dickens. A Dickens, era. yes. You know, it gives me the feeling mm-hmm. of Dickens. Yep. So that's why I'm going to say see 19th century. Tiny Tim sucking on one over that's in the corner. That's exactly yes, right. right. Okay. It's probably false, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it. You know it. what? 19th if you go century. with logic on this show, you'll probably always be wrong. <laughs> Same again, one more time. 18th, 19th, or 20th century? When was this striped candy most likely invented? I'm going 20th century. Mm. Because Could be. he said striped candy cane. The striped. Oh. But logic, oh. <laughs> again, you know, That's foiled true. again. That's tried, a detail uh, I missed. This has come from no. the guy who had the longest straw. That's, you just cannot <laughs> trust. Uh, um, okay, so we have 18th and 20th. We have 19th and 20th, right? We haven't done 18th. You we said 19th. I said 19th. I'm going to do 18th just to be a contrarian. But he did say most likely... Yeah, which if you also you lose, if it was more recent, they would know more for real because they have better history. Sure, like you could watch Mm. a YouTube video. I'm going 18th century. Okay, I'm switching mine. Ooh, okay, switch. I'm still gonna keep my 18th. Okay. Well, Brian, you fool! It was 20th century. Oh man, (laughs) he double logic you on that one. Before the 20th century, people munch on straight white candy sticks, not striped ones, with a hook at the end. So it was just a straight white candy stick. Yeah, that and, they would and that riding their unicycles, 19, sharpening them the to a point, century. a deadly <laughs> yes. point. They sharpen them to a deadly point, <laughs> riding their unicycles at breakneck speeds with no helmets yeah. and no care for their own safety. Yep. Maybe, can you picture that? Nope. Okay. Uh, maybe I can. <laughs> Question number three: How long is the longest candy cane ever made? It reaches to the clouds. Yes. Where all the chickens are flying. <laughs> Three feet, yeah. 24 feet, or 51 feet. Oh, this is just, this is why I need my kids here because they read those. Uh, oh, yeah. Those books that have all the world records in them. Uh, Would it be easier if I give, used. Give um, those again. Meters. Meters. <laughs> Three feet, 24 feet, or 51 feet. Three I could feet, give it to you in cubits. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> I, they could do better than 24. It's got to be 51. I mean, come on. You, and if they have it, they should. What? 
You could do better. We than could that. do that tomorrow. Can, listen and add it. We could make that next out. Friday as we will break yeah. the Guinness World Record of longest yeah. candy cane. So I'm going to say 50, right here on the air. It is. Fifty-one. Yeah, I'm going to say at that. least definitely. Should Brian, have been what do you Seventy-eight, think? frankly. At least I, think I have like seventy feet worth somewhere floating around my house from last Christmas. Yep, yeah. just glue them all together. <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm doing the 21, 24, Four. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I'm going with the longest one as well. If it's only if it's <clears throat> only twenty four, they should be ashamed of themselves. They're, it's embarrassing. <laughs> all right, embarrassing. good job, Jared and Chris. You got this is the, the worst quiz ever. in two thousand twelve. <laughs> Chicago chef. Alain Robbie talk, took the candy cane to new heights when he made a giant peppermint stick measuring 51 feet. Peppermint stick or candy cane? Yeah. Question number four. <laughs> what is the best-selling Christmas candy? That changes candy? things, Sebastian. <laughs> no. if we What's give the, the best-selling Christmas candy? I'm always <laughs> quibbling with his quizzes, but, you know, I never get any. I'm thinking logic and the hook and, and the posture, and that would that would have changed it. But, okay. Perhaps. Well, Maybe. Not mad, but. <laughs> what was uh what is the best selling Christmas candy? Hershey's Kisses, Reese's Trees, or Jolly Ranchers? Isn't it Reese's? Reese's Trees? Reese's. Reese's well, Reese's. That? Reese's. That's what uh, those are that's a, that's actually a genus of monkey. Yeah. Hmm? Reese's monkey. It is. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it is. Not to be confused you... with a uh capuchin. Capuchin monkey, yeah. yes. Yeah. Can you just repeat that? I'm I'm not yeah. clear. Hershey's Kisses, this is Reese's Christmas. Trees, Jolly Rancher. Kisses, Trees, or Ranchers. Got it. What? This is Christmas candy? Trees? Yeah. What is the best selling it's like a little, candy? It's like a little, it's, 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 yeah, it's like a little triangle shape. Or no, not even, it's like a small, like a small triangle and okay. the, the silver foil around it makes it look like a Christmas tree. It's, I know, okay. but I have logic. On my side, <laughs> I mean, well, so. has it, it's only worked once so far. Yeah, logic. Um, how can you apply logic? Like so, I mean, it's totally, totally strange. But maybe I'm going to go with Jolly Rancher. I, I don't know. Have a holly I, jolly Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Jolly Rancher. Okay, Brian, I mean, what do you I think? Don't know. <laughs> I'm gone. I know the trees are popular. They're they're are good. they. But um, Hershey Kisses, we every year we make those cookies with the kisses mm-hmm, right on mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah, and, and oh, that's true. So, are we talking bags here or individual best-selling Christmas oh. candy? So it's just by dollar. Can like I gross change dollar. mine then? Can I change? You cannot mine? change. Changers. He changed his earlier. He's, it's, we're not the chapters not written. I have an answer yet. Go ahead. I'm an example of yeah, success. Go ahead. In this quiz. That's so right. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Brian's logic. Again. Okay. And All right. I mean, it's from now on. You cannot change your answer. All right. I am not I'm going to go with that. that, even though I could block you uh, by going with that because I think that is the answer. I'm going to go with the trees just because it's so obscure that you said that and you even mispronounced it that I think it could be real they Reese's trees and they're more expensive they so. all right <clears throat> well uh brian i'm gonna give you a point chris i'm gonna give you half a point because oh. you changed your answer halfway <laughs> hey, well, your you, boss, gotta go back, you gotta go back to brian's answer where he changed his he didn't have any points to well, then adjust i should, I should <laughs> get him <laughs> extra point yeah <laughs> What? Yes, it is the Hershey Kisses. This is a competitive game. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, it's just a game, fellas. Two more questions. Uh, question number five. How long can you store bags of Christmas chocolate? This is important for a lot of people. How long can you store bags of Christmas chocolate? One month? For, forever. 11 months? Or no. three years? No, you can store them you however like long you want. recommended? At room temperature? <laughs> yes. 
Believe me, you can store them a lot longer than three years. Is this in like a bachelor's apartment, or exactly. is this in a place where there's yeah, a mother? This is like more of recommended. Oh, it's gonna make you recommended. Sick if you don't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can store not in a bomb shelter. You want. Yeah. We're not talking bomb shelter storage here. We're talking average. I mean, folks, if there's a nuclear blast, you know, eat the old chocolate. You'll yeah, be all eat right. It. You'll be all right. Uh, just a little advice for you. Yeah, that's good could advice. Last we give a lot of I remember a guy advice. on the radio a long time ago. He said to eat the chocolate. <laughs> now I have a tummy ache and we're stuck in this shelter for another I year. I didn't listen to him. <laughs> okay. Mom, uh, Jimmy ate the chocolate. So what it's are the cockroaches? Okay, where are the three three lengths of time again, real quick? Yeah, what are the three lengths of time? Uh, one month, eleven months, or three years. I have more logic. Okay, no way. I, I'm Chris, gonna, what are you I gonna mean, say? I'm gonna say three years out of principle. Okay, just out of principle. You know, okay. your principles usually get you in trouble in this kind of quiz. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I Be know. unprincipled. <laughs> Okay. Oh no! Don't take that advice. <laughs> don't don't edit that little bit of my advice. Okay, uh, Brian, what are you thinking? I'm going one month, and here's my logic. I've had chocolate in the freezer, and it begins to turn a little white on it. Yeah. It now does. that does Never not affect you. any decision right. making on my part. Yes. But somebody who you know has more logic than I do, right, must find something wrong with that whiteness right. on the chocolate. So okay. one month. Is my answer. And then the other option was 11 months? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with 11 months because I think it's the best if used by date and you can get mm. chocolate like on the clearance rack months after Christmas. So what do you think? Jared, congratulations. It is 11 months as long as you keep it in a cool, dry place. That's right. That's right. So frozen. basically not Guam. What? He didn't say frozen. No. no. I said, how long can you store no. bags of Christmas you just, chocolate? You, oh, hey, that's Mr. a psychological Logic. phenomenon. Yeah. You wow. added that in. You filled that in. <laughs> Good job. That's. I just taught that in AP Psych, Man, that where you fill in missing information. <laughs> <laughs> you've been eating. You've been eating three-year-old chocolate. I'm too into this game. You guys are quiz experts. Huh? <laughs> okay, last well, question. Last question. True or false? Mm. The Kinder Surprise egg originated in Germany. Kinder. Kinder Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kinder mm. seems German. Kinder's a German word. I Logic. Mean, hey, I'm going with true. Go with what. You or it could know be Austria. Since they are could be some Germanic, Bavar Bavarian they're, they're region. Well. You'll get credit if it's somewhere yeah, in Bavaria. They, they, yeah, and they're masters of chocolate, chocolatiers. Could be Liechtenstein for could all we Lichten know. Luxembourg. Could be you know Czechoslovakia after the invasion, but before the breakaway. Right. Yep. There's okay. a Germanic area in That's Belgium. Right. Yes. Yeah. What do we know, Brian? What do you think? <laughs> That's what everyone's asking. What do they know? <laughs> I'm 90% saying true, so I'm going with false based on based on my logic. Not working. That my logic has not worked. Yeah. So I'm going false. I'm going to say false because I believe we talked about Kinder Chocolate here, and <laughs> I've seen actually one of the kids in school in early care this week showed me they had one and had a Star Wars toy in it, and I believe it had Asian writing on the back, maybe Korean like low tea company or something like that, or Japanese. So I'm going to say false. It's Asian, maybe even Korean. Well, <clears throat> Brian and Jared, you get the point. Although Jared, that 
I don't understand that information. Uh, <laughs> uh, despite its German-inspired name, the eggs are a product of Italy's Ferrero. Oh, Ferrero. Ferrero Company, and were created in the early 1970s because they contain a small toy within their chocolate yep. walls. They are banned in the U.S., but yes. they remain choking a hazards. holiday favorite in Europe. That's right. So, so I was right in the most wrong way yes, possible. You were. It's like the person who, who takes that math test and they did the formula completely wrong, but they still got it right somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yep, that. Yep, I was always accused <laughs> of copying off people for that. So, all right, well, what was the final score Final there, score, Sebastian? Brian, two points. Jared, four points. And Chris, 1.5 Sorry, guys. I'm full of worthless information. I'm telling you, I'm a plethora, a virtual cornucopia really about of worthless enjoy. information. That's a show, right? This is the only time I'm successful in life is during this quiz. You're like a Kinder Egg. When you open you up, you yep. get a, 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 a little surprise. A surprise, which is useless information. It is. My, that is the little the little kernel inside yeah. my Kinder Egg brain is worthless, useless, yes. meaningless, waste of time information. And you're also Shaped, banned in the USA. And I'm banned in the USA. Shaped like a Voltron action Guam. figure. Okay, there you go. So, well, Sebastian, thanks for uh, of course putting all that time into that quiz. And Chris and Brian, I'll talk a little more about if you leave me that flyer at the end of the show. I'll mention it again. Brian, thanks for coming up. I know you're a busy man today. Thanks for having so, me. And listeners, thanks for sticking around. We are going to take a short break. When I come back, a little more Christmas, Christmas knowledge, plus the origin of of the famous Christmas carol, Oh Come All Ye Faithful, one of my favorites. So stick around a little more live till five after this short break. With a little more live till five. It's Friday afternoon, November 30th, 4.45 p.m. here in the studio, KHMG. Glad to have you with us today. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 292, sipping on a peppermint latte from the hub. The more you drink of it, the more the peppermint settles in. It's very latte forward, peppermint in, in the kind of the background, but the peppermint starts to come forward the more you drink of it just the right balance so even if you're not a minty person i think you'll like the peppermint latte check it out at the hub mondays through fridays 7 30 a.m to 4 p.m gonna be open during the festival of lights thank you jeremy and crew i was reading this from phys.org p-h-y-s like physics.org American household Christmas lights, a favorite holiday tradition, use up more electricity than some poorer countries, such as El Salvador or Ethiopia, do in a year. Bright lights strung on American trees, rooftops, lawns, according, uh, account for 6.63 billion kilowatt hours of electricity consumption every year, according to a recent blog post by Center for Global Development. That's more than the national electricity consumption of many developing countries. El Salvador, for one, only uses 5.35 billion. Ethiopia, 5.3. Tanzania, 4.81 billion, compared to our 6.63 billion. Researchers, Todd Moss, Priscilla uh, Agapong, used data from the 2008 U.S. Department of Energy report. It's probably gone up since this time because probably a lot more use of lights. Although, 
you think about it, LED lights are probably making a dent in that. Here's another Guinness World Record. The tallest, tallest animated lighting decoration. Uh, let's see. Many expect the annual shimmery New Year's ball drop each year in Times Square in New York, but few know that the glowing Christmas tree could be viewed from the exact same place on 5 December. Uh obtaining the record as the tallest animated lighting decoration. Tree created by the Toshiba Corporation, TDK Corporation, both in Japan, debuted, measuring 130 feet one inch. The screenlit Christmas tree was made of LED lights, and the image uh, was continuously animated display exclusively during the 2011 Christmas season. Most lights on a Christmas tree. If one's house isn't wrapped in twinkling holiday lights, you can always count on a Christmas tree. In fact, the most lights on tree, 194,672, was achieved by Kiwanis, Malmody, and Haute, uh, Belgium, 10 December 2010. A grand total of 350 garlands, measuring 3 meters, or 9 foot 10 inches long, fitted with 576 lights, were hung on a glistening tree. Using voltage calculations, witnesses were able to ascertain exactly how many lights were successful throughout the five minutes, but it's about almost 200,000. Let's see here. Most lights on a residential property, several houses around the world boast incredible Christmas decorations, but there's one house that glows among the rest. The residents in LaGrangeville, New York, USA, took the title for having the most lights on a residential property in 2014, totaling 601,736 lights. It was the result of combined efforts of Tim, Grace, Emily, Daniel, and John. Uh, largest display on illuminated trees, most lights in pedal power. Oh, this is interesting. Most lights in pedal power after a few minutes of simultaneous exercise. They earned the record for the most lights by pedal power, 35,028 in 2012. Uh, let's see here. A lot of others. Very interesting records out there five facts about american christmas by the way here in the pew research number one nine in ten americans 90 percent and 95 percent of christians say they celebrate christmas according to the pew research center 46 percent of americans say they celebrate christmas as primarily a religious rather than cultural holiday down from 51 percent number two when they go to the store which greetings do americans prefer Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? Well, for some, this can be a sensitive question, but an increasing number of Americans do not seem to have strong feelings either way. About half of Americans, 52%, now say it doesn't matter how stores greet their customers over the holidays. Wow. A lot of uh, government displays, public property things, they're switching to Happy Holidays. I prefer Merry Christmas, but I don't mind Happy Holidays. I am happy about the holidays. Uh, Let's see here. Here's a couple more. Americans have long argued about whether nativity scenes and other religious holidays displays on public property violate the establishment clause of the U.S. Constitution First Amendment. In the 80s, the Supreme Court handed down a landmark ruling that allowed for displays of Christmas creches, Hanukkah, menorah, and other religious holiday symbols on public property as long as they do not actively endorse or promote a particular religion or religion in general. So there you go. And number five, the last one. Most Americans believe that elements of the biblical Christmas story reflect actual historical events. Although the percentage expressing this view has dropped noticeably in recent years. Two-thirds, 66%, say Jesus was born to a virgin compared to 73% who said it in 2014. 75% believe he was laid in a manger, down from 81%. Similarly, the shares who say uh, believe the wise men 
guided by a star, brought Jesus gifts, and that the angel appeared to the shepherds announcing the birth of Jesus have also declined. A slim majority of U.S. adults, 57%, believe that all four of these things actually happened, down from 65% just three years ago. So, interesting. Christmas in America, great opportunity to talk about Christ, including our Festival of Lights this Sunday night. We're going to take a short break when we come back. Going to wrap it up talking about one of my favorite Christmas songs and an invitation to Festival of Lights. So stick around. More live till five after this. back with the last few minutes of Live Till 5. Glad to have you with us today. Thanks for tuning in. Again, if you missed the show, Saturday noon to 2. This week, there's no Sunday night rebroadcast, but you can download the podcast through khmg.org. Let us know you're listening through Facebook. Harvest Family Radio Guam. Find us on Facebook. Give us a thumbs up. Send us a message. Let us know what you think. Give us some suggestions for this show. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, come all ye faithful. Written by John F. Wade uh, starts off Adeste Fidelis or uh, O Come All Ye Faithful. The favorite Christmas hymn appears to be the result of a collaboration of several people. What we sing in the 19th is the 19th century version of a hymn written in the 18th century. The Latin text comes from Roman Catholic tradition found in the 18th century manuscript of the College of Douai, probably the same as the Douai Reims Bible there. The college was located in northern France beginning around 1561, continuing until it was uh, suppressed in 1793. One possibility is that John Francis Wade, 1711 to 1786, was an English musician at the college. Methodist hymnologist Fred Geely notes seven manuscripts containing the Latin hymn were known. They're dated 1743 to 1761. All appear to have been written, signed, and dated by John Francis Wade, an Englishman who had made his living by copying and selling plain plain chant and other music. The English language stanza, uh, translation of stanzas 1, 2, and 3, and 6 are the work of Frederick Oakley, 1802 to 1880, and tra- a translator of Latin hymns during the Oxford movement, who worked closely with Cardinal John Henry Newman in the 1800s, leader of the movement. The invitation to, quote-unquote, come all ye faithful to Bethlehem places the singers both among the shepherds who rushed to see Christ, the Christ child, and the long procession of the faithful that have journeyed to Bethlehem in their hearts for over 2,000 years. It's a great, great tune. A tune, Adeste Fidelis by Wade, has served as the, has served this text well, though about as many variations have appeared for the tune over the years. As for the text, the refrain has a fugal feel with a staggered entry of voices until all four parts join in the imperative, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I got that from the Discipleship Ministries United Methodist Church has a, a hymnology section that's pretty comprehensive, uh, looking at the history of famous hymns and classic songs. And so I want to take this last couple minutes just to highlight again how special this Sunday night, December 2nd, is for Harvest Ministries. We host a grand Christmas gathering and we open our doors to the entire community. Even if you've never been to Harvest before, please consider joining us Sunday night 
for this wonderful Christmas party. We call it the Festival of Lights because the most obvious thing as you pull up to our campus after dark is all the Christmas lights. The whole campus is lit up with Christmas lights. And so we call it the Festival of Lights, but really it's so many other things. The festival implies there's a music aspect to it. At 6 and 7.30, there's a Christmas musical in the auditorium. We have food. It's the only thing that costs is if you want to buy food from the food trucks. And that's at the other end of campus. We're going to have uh, Munchies, Perisco, Island Crave, Sticky Fingers, Hoffaday Lemonade, 671 Cattle Corn, Kettle Corn, Fat Boy Slim, and Hoff Aloha Shave Ice are all going to be here serving their delicious food from their food trucks. Then it's, they open at 5 p.m. 6.30, we have a kids program where kids can go in. There are 24 different games they can play, rock wall climbing, face painting, all kinds of prizes and glow bracelets and just fun stuff. We have a Christmas train just right outside the studio here, right in the area in front of the hub. The Christmas train is going to be running for children. It's free. It's all free. And we would just love to have you join us Sunday, December 2nd, 5 p.m., the food trucks open, 6 p.m., the first Christmas concert entitled Noel, then 6.30, the children's stuff starts up. So we stagger that on purpose so that some people can get in and enjoy the Christmas concert. 6.30, the children's program starts up. 7.30, a second performance of the Christmas concert, and everything will be open throughout the evening just for people to enjoy. Pray for good weather, but even if it rains, we're still going to have the Festival of Lights. It'll still be a blast. So we invite you. We'll be broadcasting music live throughout the evening, plus live commentary throughout the evening as well. Chris and I will both be uh, talking to you radio listeners at home that might not be able to be here, but just uh, it's going to be a great time to kick off the Christmas season and a time to encourage people to look back and remember the reason for this Christmas season is Jesus Christ. And we're going to try very hard to make sure that everyone keeps that focus in mind. And that's why we have our Christmas musical program. There are a couple other things coming up for Christmas season here at Harvest. We'll talk about those next week, but we do wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we're glad that you could be with us today on Live Till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 292 on this Friday, November 30th. Here at the KHMG studios, you're listening to KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Have a great weekend.